0: This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com.
1: Welcome to Season 3 of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast with Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. This is the Big Sci-Fi Podcast Season 3.
0: As you all know, we are the big sci-fi podcast. That means, means that we delve into all things science fiction, and as we do, or as we try to do. You see, all the members of the Fantastic Four are, deep down, and we can say it, we are Star Trek fans. There, <laughs> there, I've said it. I, I am a Star Trek fan. Been one since I got my first taste On September the 8th, 1966, oh, I was just a small lad, been free basting on sci-fi ever since I could reach the on-off button on our old black and white TV. You know, all that changed when I saw the Enterprise. No A, B, C, D, or even X, Y, Z. It was the majestic NCC-1701 in glorious black and white. My cheapo dad will not buy our first color TV for a few years later. But it didn't matter. It was Star Trek, and sci-fi took a new direction for me and for so many others that became hooked on the ST. I think that's what the kids are calling it these days, right? Anyway, today we have another person that was hooked on ST, maybe more than any of the Fantastic Four could ever be. The man they call Dr. Trek, Larry nemachek Did I say your name last night? Last name right, Larry?
2: Yes, yes. Thank you, yes. thank you.
0: Larry has graciously agreed to allow us to us users of the ST to interview him and learn about his experiences with ST and as we always do let's allow the members of the big sci-fi podcast to introduce ourselves i'm sure everyone knows us but if late night tv show uh, uh, hosts can introduce themselves at the beginning of their shows then we can do as well and let's do it like we always do in alphabetical order starting with
3: Hey, that's me, Adina Mignona, um, aerospace engineer by day, science fiction writer by all the other times, except for when I'm just tired from watching <laughs> rocket launches.
1: <laughs> yeah, Adina's pretty cool, guys, let uh-huh. me tell you. Uh, you. <laughs> my name's Brian Donahue. I'm from Ohio. I'm a church planner, pastor, musician, writer. Science fiction podcaster. I'm a dad, a husband, and I'm pretty psyched about talking to Larry today. So C comes after B in the alphabet. I'm pretty sure. That's right.
4: That is correct. I don't know why I'm laughing about this, but uh, (laughs) my name is Christian Fox. I'm a conflict resolution specialist during the day, basically doing mediation. And then at night I podcast with these fine folks and yell about Star Trek on my YouTube channel, yelling about Star Trek.
0: And I'm going to jump all the way through the alphabet to the letter S. I'm Steve Merkin, <laughs> the resident old guy here, retired from the jewelry industry.
1: We love uh,
0: Writing occasionally for some of our online publications, but most of all, a member of this Glorious band of misfit outlaws, the big sci fi podcast. Wait a
1: minute, I want to be an outlaw, that'd be fun,
3: just, for just a. fine.
0: Come on, it's I wanted to make it more like you know, Butch Cassidy in the Sundance. Okay, kid I dig something. that. Anyway, I dig uh, now that Larry knows a little more about us, it's time for him <laughs> to share a little about his life story and his love of ST, Mr. Larry.
5: Oh, well, I'm sitting here just thinking, I'm just dying. I just somewhere along the way, you have to have somebody say, and now it's time for the big sci fi podcast. <laughs> I mean, you need a 60s, you know. Oh, did. You
0: just that. did it. Thank you. Okay. There you no, go. That was there perfect. You go. All
5: right. <laughs> the big sci fi. Um, I sound like Dale Weber or John, or anyway, I'm going back home to city disc jockeys of my youth. Oh, my um, God. Uh, no, this is this is awesome. Thanks for having me on. And uh, you guys are I love the way everybody's got their own different background. And I i feel like I should take over and just flop the mic around and go. So how did you all find each other? But I'm sure you've covered that. Right. Um,
2: well,
0: <laughs> we, it, let's put this I, way. I don't think so. Podcast, no, I don't think do so. It's actually it's been a year since we started doing a podcast. We just did it. They started off a year ago with another group that kind of got disbanded. And we, leftover misfits, kind of found each other and decided, I believe, Brian, you came up with the idea for the name. Is that right?
1: Uh, Dina did. I think so. I Dina wanted did. to do a Star Trek podcast, but then you guys jumped in and said, let's do everything. And it's been a blast. It was the right decision. Yeah.
0: And so we've been doing this now since, I think, February. Is that right?
1: That I sounds
5: r- right to me, I
0: think. Yeah. 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 Well, yes. if you
5: ever get tired of this title, you can always go with The Misfits of Sci-Fi, which apparently Ooh, is, I is thought
0: the That's a good idea. I like that. See what
5: fresh <laughs> ears do. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, here's my thing. I just love the way we now have words and terms and buzz phrases for everything. Because when I was, I had the horrible misfortune affliction of being interested in way too much stuff. And it, growing up and I was out, we, you know, it was a four channel universe and I was kind of out in a rural suburban area. So I had a lot of time and, a, and a, I guess a brain that wouldn't stop. But anyway, by the time I was in junior high and high school, I was like collecting stamps and building model rockets and build, I'd build models, but um, I loved history. Um, I, you know, scale model, I did model railroading and in just like back then, you'd say you had a lot of hobbies today, you just say that was another way of geeking out or nerding out or you were a fan of something. But back then, mm-hmm. you were just you just had a lot of hobbies was the bland way we'd say it, I guess. But into all of that, uh, and I was, but I was a model, but I was a big NASA kid. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, that was when you could sit and watch the, you know, the, not just me, but everything would stop. And when one of the early rockets was going up, you know, Mercury and Gemini and all, everybody would like, my dad would come in out of the garden, mom would stop and come in, everybody would watch TV to watch a launch. Mm -hmm. And anyway. But that, and and I just, and I love history, and somewhere, I always blame my ninth grade science teacher for shaming me when she found out I wasn't watching Star Trek after school. She was like, oh, Larry, don't, there's a long, goofy story before this, which refers into Mirror Mirror, but I'll skip that, Uh, with her and a couple (laughs) of two other teachers' pets, but... She basically said, oh, Larry, don't tell me you don't watch Star Trek. And I knew about it. It It's like, is that the show with the guy with the ears and Mm -hmm. all that? Because, you know, and we watched Lost in Space, I remember, because my older brother ran the TV and I was just a kid. But Mm -hmm. um, I saw I went home. I watched Saturday morning before I watched after school. But within two or three or four months, I was hooked. And today I would say I was a fan of the world building and the continuity and you know, everything, the characters and and all of that. And you kind of intrinsic I intrinsically got years later, looking back after everybody the, the rest of the world talked about it forever. I always got it that it was positive and forward-looking and diverse, mm-hmm. you know, it was obviously infinite diversity, infinite combination, and all of the progressive ideals that Star Trek has. But for me, I was just amazed that they put this cohesive thing together that you could Every time you watched it, you could see something new or you would figure something new out. And this is the 60s show, watching it in the 70s and 80s, you know, with barely without even having VHS yet. Like I would take notes as yeah. it ran wow. by and circle around every three months because 79 shows, they're gonna five a day. That's yeah. three months. And in four months, they're You could watch that show again in four months, unless you're you know occupied. So I've got my original notes I took before we had amazing. You know, but then you could you could collect. I, then I found out how you, people collected film clips that you'd get from Lincoln mm-hmm. from Gene and Major's company, or you could trade them with people, and wow. you could you could preserve something where you could actually look at it and read the Romulan Neutral Zone map, or the right. the air pressure gauge at the side of the you know door or whatever. So, <laughs> but that's I mean that's the that and and if you really wanted to preserve something, you'd put your portable cassette recorder and loop the microphone in front of the TV. <laughs> could at least have the audio. And then after I saw somebody selling those, I was like, well, I can make my own. I don't have to buy his mm-hmm. and do that. But anyway, but that's no. that's how far back I go. And then everything since then has been, you know, awesome. But right. um but no, I I wound up going to school in theater and journalism and worked in news and all of that. But I always had had that it had Star Trek back of mind. And um Somebody told me in the last year that I should do a book and I'm like oh god I guess I should I I feel like I've either it's either too mundane or I've told things on podcasts and storytelling and at cons and things mm-hmm. right, but i know that's not right. true because every 47 minutes there's a, there's four million new star trek fans right <laughs> <I> <laughs> love every the 47, 47 minutes that's <laughs> perfect <laughs> that is perfect you have to do it so anyway but that's that's kind of my roots but i you know i went to school i worked in this but i always had it as a hobby or something on the side but we did we did too many cons in college and i started mm. a club at my state college and um and we did, you know, like did events and I was with early groups. Uh, we did start a convention. We started SoonerCon Oklahoma City, which took a lapse and still is back. And I did a, a media con called ThunderCon also that was just Star Trek because back in the day we had the, the, we had the literary science fiction, media science fiction schism,
2: mm-hmm.
5: or I'd say LitCon snobs. And um <laughs> Which is funny, because today people talk about gatekeeping, and I go, mm-hmm. well, you were the original gatekeepers, were <laughs> were the, we're the, and not just back home, but everywhere around the country. There's like, you know, the, the Worldcon people saying, okay, you kids, why don't you, if you're not going to go read your basic, you know, Heinlein and, and uh, Asimov and all of that, then maybe you should just go start your own Trek conventions. Mm-hmm. And so they did, and that's where Comic-Cons came from. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. But if you, you know, you, the original New York cons in the 70s, but. Um, but that that was always something we kind of did and and did. And then basically, finally, when The Next Generation came out, I had been a big background fan. Uh, the world of Star Trek, the making of Star Trek, and then the tech manual and the medical reference and the blueprints and all of that. I just loved all of that and was always making more because it wasn't all there. And this whole idea of surveying and trying and be Joe's concordance and today it's all the things that people now today it's memory alpha today it's mm-hmm. there's there's thousands of people but back in the day when I was first kind of writing letters to Zines and some of the you know interstat letter comment zine and and trek mag the old Trek magazine, I thought there's eight people in the world that care what I care about <laughs> you know like star charting or filling out like what does the government of the federation look like and who are the other members and when did the planets come in and why did mm-hmm. we never why did we never get to go to Teller prime or andoria or mm-hmm. you know right it was a Fine. star
3: trek like technical huh? manual it was a star trek technical manual that i purchased in 1988 that that is kind of what like made mm-hmm. me like an actually like a trekkie like i had you know watched the first season of next generation i watched every episode faithfully without but Feeling like I was a tricky, but it was when I bought that manual that that I don't know some some just switch clicked, went right? off, yes. and then boom, yeah, yep.
5: <laughs> what was your, What do you do now, Adina? What's your job? So
3: I I'm an aerospace engineer. I work <laughs> I work in Rub aerospace. Rub it
5: in, why I don't you? Well, no, but no, here, no, I'm saying here's the funny scene. thing so the so, minute the engineer got the mm, fictional but very yeah. detailed star trek that's when it clicked i'm so shocked mm-hmm. that that's right what yeah well it. the fu- so the couple of funny things about
3: that is you know well because i yes i it was always kind of like i was probably going to be an engineer or do something stem and everything and i was always interested in mm-hmm. space and robots so it wasn't a complete surprise but yeah you know science fiction really fed into it which also then feeds into my science fiction but what was really funny i was telling a couple co-workers uh this today as a matter of fact when i when i started Started my career, um, or actually, it was not really when I started my career, but it was a year or two out of college. And I came to work at the company that I'm now working at. Uh, it was a different company at the time because we've, we've been bought and bought and, you know, all that stuff. But at the time, I remember when I first got this this particular job, I was expecting to come into a company where everyone was going to be a Trekkie. And, you know, that, that was like the reason why everyone was there. And I get to this company, it's like, no, I was like, kind of like, I felt like I was like the only one. And like most of my colleagues were oh. 10, 15 years older than me. And there were a lot, you know, I met a lot of mechanical engineers, uh, electrical engineers, mm. and a lot of them were just, this was just what they happened to fall into. And I was like, I was so shocked that it wasn't like everyone. I eventually found the people right. and our CEO was a Trekkie. And I have like some stories about that, but it's been, it's been kind of, kind of funny that it, it isn't, there aren't a lot of people in the industry because of this, but, but it wasn't as, as everybody as I thought it was going to be. Well, once or right.
5: twice, I had a VIP tour of, of the Johnson, I always want to say Johnson manned spacecraft, the Johnson Center in Houston. In Houston. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, it's not like they're all mm-hmm. astronauts. I mean, secretaries right. and assistants and mm-hmm. engineers and whatever. But the whole breadth of people and at least focusing down to that, mm-hmm. I'm. Thinking at least every other person said, "Oh, I'm definitely mm-hmm. here because of Star Trek." Yeah. yeah,
3: you'll you'll find that more at NASA than at, at a commercial company like mine. Right. Although the company that I work for, uh, so it, today it is Northrop Grumman. Um, But I started as like one of the companies that they bought and bought and bought, but Northrop Grumman and then my own company, we have like some ties to Star Trek where the, one of the companies Northrop bought years ago is uh, TRW Mm -hmm. and that's out in space Space park. That's where, yeah, yeah. that's, that's where uh, operation annihilate was filmed Mm
2: -hmm. as one. And
3: then my own my company that was bought, we were orbital sciences corporation and about, I want to say 10 years ago. So this this image will go around the internet every couple of years, and I love it. Uh, people will be like, hey, did you guys know that there's like a road called Warp Drive in Northern Virginia? That's my company. That I have my I have my business card says Warp Drive on it. I work there. <laughs> and yes, and our CEO, uh, when they were redoing some of the traffic stuff there, uh, our CEO was able to basically give some extra money to the county to get them to rename the mm-hmm. road and basically be Warp Drive.
4: <laughs> That's
3: amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, so we have some ties and there are there are quite a few Trekkies, but uh, but you will definitely find more of them at the NASA centers for sure. Yeah.
5: But I. um, Yes, I don't (laughs) know where we were, but. uh, Right. Right.
1: <laughs> happens well, all the but time. but it starts right? with the
3: technical. It started with the technical manuals.
1: <laughs> right. And that. That's technical right. That's right. Manuals. The yeah, pre-memory
3: that, yeah. alpha technical, like actual heart. I mean, I have it. I should have brought
5: it upstairs with me. Yeah, you know, just to have the physical ha- copy of it. I
1: have to jump in here real quick. If that's and then Steven, you opened your mouth. But well, I think Brian, I
5: should... you're the one that has the co- a copy of Communicator framed. Yes. on Yes. So... I
1: wondered if you would notice that. Oh, I noticed uh, it
5: right off. Yeah, it's my... not one I edited, but it was right before really? I was editor. But yeah.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. I was a. I was an official member of the Star Trek fan club Mm -hmm. for about two or three years and so looked forward to that magazine. That's the whole reason I was a part of the fan club was that those magazines were fantastic. And that issue behind me with Avery Brooks um, was one. I just had to keep nice and I've got another one with Kirk and Spock on it. And, uh, but I haven't taken them out of those frames for years and years. Um, But anyways, my claim, my, cl- my connection with Trek is much simpler. It's not as cool as Adina's. Um, but I was attending a, a university, then college here in Canton, Ohio, called, called Malone College. And I was writing a research paper on how Star Trek um, has interacted with racism through the years. Mm-hmm. And um, my teacher let me, I couldn't find a topic. She's like, well... She knew I liked Star Trek because I was that. I, apparently, people knew that about me back then. And uh, I'm now 43. But um, uh, she said, well, why don't we what is there? Is there something in Star Trek? I was like, well, yeah, there's this you know amazing thing about it that I would love to look deeper into and see what I find and learn new things about. And so I started doing this and I had to have an interview and I had a professor. And maybe you guys will hear the name and know exactly what I'm talking about. But his name was Professor Vassbinder. He was a, oh, yeah. an art and history teacher. And um, in this little college, 3,000 students maybe. And um, I, he, said, he said in the middle of this art and music class, exploring the worlds of art and music, he says, Has anyone ever heard the name Brandon Braga? And instantly oh, yeah. I went, oh, my gosh, I know exactly who he's talking to. He writes and produces Star Trek Next Generation. I'm not sure DS9 was out yet or not, but um, uh, I was like, I know who that is. And he talked about this kid growing up in Canton, Ohio, when he was a high school teacher, and mm-hmm. that he wrote papers like none other. And this kid had a dream of writing movie scripts, and Professor Vassbinder then just teacher, high school teacher was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. You might want to plan B though, just in case, you know. Um, But he said this kid's writing was just way above everything else. (laughs) And so he encouraged him. And then one day he gets a call from Brandon Braga. I got a Star Trek gig. And, uh, uh, you know, just this amazing, he said, and he called him a few years later and said, I'm writing you into a script. You're going to be one of Patrick Stewart's former professors at, at Starfleet, Professor mm-hmm. Vassbinder, and actually mentioned, and Vassbinder's actually in the Star Trek Encyclopedia, too, I think. I think oh. I remember I'm just looking at Memory
5: Alpha. It's in, there's, three, there's a Voyager, it's a re- and, Fantastic. Uh, there's a Year of Hell, Timescape, and Journey's End. Ooh. Oh,
1: I forgot about the Year of Hell one. Wow. So I know the, to to professor what's his real,
5: what's the Professor Vassbinder. What's the real professor's first name?
1: Oh, I'd have to look that up. I don't know. Cause I mean, I was called him okay. professor Raspbinder, but well, um, there's,
5: there's not one on the memory alpha's little thing down here says, according to something, his first name is Ernest on a adjacent canon thing, not the real I life. See. Yeah. But he Ernest said, what,
1: does not sound right. What's
5: the, what's the college he's at? Malone
1: uh, university. Is I, he still I, there? I, I don't believe so. That was, I mean, I'm 43. That was when I was 18. Yeah. Um, I, he was quite oh. old too when I was there. Um, oh, okay. But I, if you want me to, sir, I can look into that. And um,
5: I well, if there's like an old yearbook or something, I'm just
1: right. He uh, was he was an he was a really in, he was a boringest professor I ever had. <laughs> but when he was not teach, when he became interesting to me in my interview with him, as I asked him about mm-hmm. Star Trek and in science fiction in general. Um, he was an incredibly fascinating, fascinating person, and I get why Brannon would want to write him into um, the script um, originally um, and honor him that way because he was an incredibly fascinating man, just boring to listen to a lecture from.
5: You <laughs> <laughs> see, that's a wacky thing that I uh, – when I, when I got the keys to the Star Trek background, when I did the Next Generation Companion book, which is how a whole generation, I guess, knew me or knew my name anyway – and it's been interesting to find those people. They're all like, you know, everybody's in their 40s, 30s mm-hmm. and 40s and 50s. And they come up and they go, "You're this was the first thing I spent my own money on or something, <laughs> you know. Wonderful. But I, when I would get everybody, all the writers, especially the writers for this. But after we went through all their every year, I would try to talk to everybody fresh. And after the book came out, do it with the Voyager and the DS9. Keep it going. Mm. But one of the things I always loved as I just tried to bring a lot of things that I did as a fan. What motivated me in a lot of ways was, and it took me a few years to get this, but I would, I remember having memories of going to, especially the Starfleet, the Starland and Starcon, Starfest and Starcon in Denver that Stephen Walker and and Kathy Walker did. And that to me was the epitome of a a really good Mm Trekcon because, and I'm talking before Comic-Cons rose up. But as opposed to like a lit con that every little town or place could have, but they had to pay for, you know, Trek people. But I would be sitting there and people would ask, you know, Jonathan Frakes about something. And he would say, I remember it just finally hit me one day. He'd say, well, you know what? That's a Herman Zimmerman question. Or that's a Michael Westmore question. Mm-hmm. Or that's a Dan Kirk. And I'd be sitting there in my head screaming, well, why aren't they on stage?
2: you know it's like okay Mm -hmm. guys
5: you can you can okay we get it they're the actors they're pretty you can have them sign Mm -hmm. their photo you can hear the same story 82 times okay fine (laughs) you love it they have the charisma i get it but the people that really make like you know but then i thought the realist in me thought great i'll have TechCon and it'll be me and 10 people show up for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so well i'll go broke and that's why we don't get well the world's changed they do get to conventions but now we Mm -hmm. have We have podcasts, we have YouTube interviews, we have bonus features. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. gotten way better, but I grew up going, okay, okay, okay. I love the actors, but after, after, you know, 42 go rounds, can we talk about who's really, so when I would talk to the writers and things, I had all quirky, a lot of quirky things. One of the specific things I would always do is go through and get all the proper names like VastBinder Mm -hmm. out of their, out of their scripts or maybe even the things they had ghost written, you know, rewritten or something and ask them. And I have all these great little, and then they're just little snippets, but you mentioned Brandon. Brandon was great about naming characters after like professors. He didn't like, or professors he did like, or old girlfriends or old girlfriends who had been crappy to him or <laughs> <laughs> But you get, you know, I mean like, you know, but it's, it, you know, sometimes it's not always that personal, but a lot of times there's little, um, you know, or or after I moved to LA and I'm driving around, and I remember driving driving along, I don't know Melrose or something, and I see I see Curson Street. I was like, Curson, wait, Michael lived over here. I bet he named Curzon Dax for Curson oh, Street. Okay. I mean, you know, just stuff like that's that. Awesome. Oh, that's cool. I that's amazing. So anyway, with all these, I, I have a lot of those collected little snippets of things from people. I need to update it though. We've got a whole yeah. generation now of shows that that's not known about yet
3: well i i guess uh, the the new shows aside because there's still just time from from the older shows uh, you know and I, I don't know what we consider older at this point uh legacy has... let's call them the legacy. legacy okay legacy um is there anyone you you never got to talk to or you still wish you had an opportunity to talk to that you haven't like is there anyone missing from your collection you mean on I guess? the creative
5: side you mean yeah yeah uh, well, I mean, there's people that died before I got, I mean, I would yeah. have loved to talk to Gene Kuhn from the original series. Okay.
3: I guess, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing I'm asking. Is yeah, there, uh, are there
5: yeah, people that They died in 73. So, mm. you know, right. way too right. soon. Um, and I know that's, I guess
3: I'm, I, I'm asking a, almost like a morbid question, which I really didn't intend that. Well, there are, and be. there were
5: two, or th- well, I mean, I, Matt Jeffries put me, he had health issues when I got, to, when I came to LA. And then in the beginning I was, everything I was dealing with was next generation and the current shows. And I Mm. was sitting here and I wish I had thought those original series people are not getting younger, Larry, like Mm -hmm. in the nineties and the odds. And the directors and some of them, and some, I, some, I have, and I got to, and the woman, the woman who was the second and third season costumer, like she helped the actresses get, Mm -hmm. she was the woman's costumer on set for the second, third seasons. She was like her second job and she was like 22 So she's just now in her seventies and she's Mm -hmm. awesome. And she has her like books from the show and her notebooks and things. And she's like, why do they call it command gold? It's green. Look here, look (laughs) at it in the light. It's green. (laughs) (laughs) But um, aside from the rare ones like that, there's so many of the directors that um, I did get to talk to Bob Justman several times before he passed and got, you know, but some of that, some of that general, I never got to talk to like Bill Tice. I would have loved to, I would have loved to talk to, Mm -hmm. um, and I've just gone blank. That did uh, <laughs> Jimmy Rugg that wired that did the 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 stage effects, not visual effects, stage mm-hmm. effects for the sets and wired everything. And uh, I don't know, uh, but a lot of that generation. But even even like on Next Generation, um, some of the f- first start out writer producers that got, cut up on the the chaos on the bridge, the crazy couple oh, first yeah. years of Next Gen. Yeah. A lot of them have passed and one or two I was supposed to, Matt Jeffries though, I was going to talk to, he always had some health issues by the time I got to him. And then he went in and had a huge clean bill of health and they surprised him with a bonus feature on one of the DVDs. And I talked to him that day and he said, yeah, yeah, let's sit down next week. And then his body like rejected all the drugs he was taking. and he Like one week after I said, are you ready to do this? Finally goes, Mm -hmm. yes, let's do it. And then a week later, Hmm. And that was Matt yeah. Jeffrey. I mean, you know, right? Jeffrey. Right. Jeffrey's yeah. yeah. Anyway, but that's that was kind of sad. And then, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I have to stop and think. And there's, you know, yeah, there's people somewhere between the clock running on some that have been around for a long time, and just some mm-hmm. some gaps. But now I'm turned around too. There's a lot of them I want to talk to on mm-hmm. on the current shows, and between the fact that they shoot in Toronto, which I hate, but mm-hmm. I guess Canada's happy. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean it's, it's cool to have. <laughs> yeah. Chris is I'll happy. i happy, but I wish it. But yeah, yeah it's cool. Well, there are all these people that that balked at when when streaming. They're getting used to it now. But when streaming was new, especially in Star Trek world, and all these people to watch Discovery at the beginning, half of the angst about Discovery was, you know, I, I, God didn't mean for me to pay for Star Trek.
2: Right. And always yeah,
5: I'll I was. i I'll be honest. I was in that at, at originally at first, too. Yeah. I, me, I, I, was, was, I, I was like, well, get over that. What happened, what, what you ought to say is God never meant for Star Trek to leave L.A. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> this is I where understand. God intended it to be made. But
0: but it's interesting but you of said of that interest. about, about paying for it because, you know, when, when it came on and I didn't have, you know, CBS mm-hmm. Plus or whatever it was at that time. I said, forget it, I'll just wait until the DVDs come out and I'll buy the DVD set of Discovery. And then after that, it was like, okay. And then when we learned that Picard was going to come on and I told my wife about it and she's like, I want to watch that show because she always loved Mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart from the next generation. So because of that, you know, and we've had Paramount Plus through Prime Ticket Mm -hmm. or Prime Video. And you know, and it's it's actually worth it because there's so much new stuff mm-hmm. out, and it keeps. I guess they they're still re they're going to be making more and more new track, which is what they have to do. If if Disney can make all this new Star Wars material out of no place, you know, has got to do the same thing with Star Trek. It's yeah. really got to. Well, Star Trek and,
5: actually has gaps and nooks and crannies that screaming. To have oh yeah,
0: yeah. No, yeah. they do. Oh I mean, gosh. they're just they kind of filling that in right now with strange new worlds. They're kind of playing around with that. And again, someone,
1: I, someone. I just so, saw today. I'm sorry to interrupt you, sir. I, I just the uh, um I saw a concept. It was either today or yesterday uh, where someone was suggesting a young next generation. Like what? What? What did a young Riker and Troy and doing some of that early before they get on the Enterprise D. Oh wow! What were their backstories? Mm. Um, so Riker with, on- as a next gen fan intrigues me, but again, I think we could even. Uh, I don't want Star Trek to compete with Disney's Star Wars. I want mm-hmm. good Trek. I want well thought through stories that yeah. that are not just entertaining and is going to make Paramount money. So, I want good Trek. So,
3: as much as I love, love, love the next generation characters and and love all that, I actually, if I had a vote, I would rather have newer characters, possibly in a different timeline yeah. or in that setting, than have a younger, younger versions yeah. of those. Because I'm I'm too worried that I would be too disappointed. Because if if it doesn't meet my expectation for the exacting standards of those characters, I just rather see new characters, you know, than than possibly be disappointed in younger versions with different actors mm. now the new picard and seeing those folks having age and new that's great because it's still them just later right. in their life but going back earlier i feel like oh that's that's dicey dicey
5: well <laughs> so See, i i totally agree but i'm just saying we've got well now discovery skipped ahead so now there's 800 years right, well, right. Yeah. Say, there's 300 years here to fill in yeah mm-hmm and nooks and crannies and corners. Can we please yeah. do a Romulan War and yes. Federation sure. series? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I want you know, to do a mid a... Kirk, uh, a mid Archer Kirk series, and I want to do a mid oh, yeah. Kirk Picard series. Like mm-hmm. cut that in half. And I let's do. Yeah. And I've wanted to do. a, And I. This is my nickname for it. I've wanted to do a Star Trek West Wing, where you're in san francisco and paris yeah and it's all cool. the all mm-hmm. the member races or the species are there and so you can represent everybody and they can you know but then you can have uh, a disaster or you can have something local happen mm-hmm. on one of the worlds mm-hmm. or something you can still go off and have space stories so or military scares, and you can get you can have starfleet involved mm-hmm. in it And you had some starfleet you know military people at federation headquarters and Starfleet so, headquarters, but it would—it's—it's it's a way to mix everything in, and mm-hmm. you could have everybody doing stuff, and you could have just a huge mix of, not just political stories, but you could have—you know—go out and respond to things. But it would be Earth-centric versus, yeah, floating oh, around, cool. just going planet mm-hmm. to planet. You could do mm-hmm. the same thing on different perspective, and finally start filling in an awful lot about what we don't know about how things work and the and all the mm-hmm. different member worlds and everything. I just think that would be awesome. So, that would be cool. I would agree so I'm that. just wondering and now. You could even pick what that. century. Is it going to be in Kirk's time or Picard's time? Or
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask. Now, would you want it like in a timeline, like in a time frame that we haven't experienced before or one like, say, DS9th? I was just watching uh, Paradise Lost and it'd be cool to see, okay, what was going on with, uh, was it President Injo? Yeah. And like the other members when it's like when uh, Leighton That's is trying crazy. to plan that coup or something. So it could be cool. There'd be so oh, yeah, many you could different go, options. Yeah, you
5: could go to any era, but I, because I, this is some, this came up, this is something, this is the kind of thing that I'm, and I, and I say this because when I first was a fan, it was just, I, I remember going to my first con overnight mm-hmm. and my image was, and as far I had any preconceived notions about fans, much less conventions or anything beyond me in my little circle and what I, maybe I read in some of the magazines I picked up and you could read letters. From. Mm-hmm. I mean, early, <laughs> but <laughs> at the time I remember thinking, oh, so I'm going to take my tech manual and my medical reference and my blueprints and my making of Star Trek book and probably in the giant poster books. I was taking like all of my real Star Trek book, not not the James Bush, not not the novels, because that mm-hmm. was just stories. And that's nice. Mm-hmm. But that's that to me was like um, uh not, you know, like it was like the sweets that got you through.
2: hmm.
5: But that was before I knew that I was totally bass on this. But I remember I put everything back when I could put all my Star Trek stuff in a box. I think it was the box my turntable came in. And I took it, and I had this image of everybody sitting around talking about background issues. And that's what Star Trek fans did. That was before I knew, I got it, that the whole reason Star Trek had been preserved, really, like – Industrial industrially made a whole new paradigm of fandom and conventions and clubs and zines happen uh, in in the in a much bigger way than it had been in the old lit world, which was a lot smaller. But the whole reason everything exploded and became Star Trek and begat Star Wars and you know all that was because of Spock and the Vulcans and the fanzine writers and the editors, and that's where all the organized, you know, industrialized Star Trek came from that mm-hmm. changed pop culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And I was like, oh, I mean, and then I then I subscribed to Interstat and I realized, well, here's three fourths of these writers who are women, three fourths of these writers are women. And they're all arguing over about Spock and how the third season bastardized Spock and blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, can, I was like, I'm going to write my little letter here and gripe about we're not, you know, why don't we ever why is Journey to Babel the only time we ever hear about Federation politics? And, <laughs>
4: yeah, you know, it's like,
5: you know, there's a whole yeah. universe that happens beyond this ship you know there's like a whole lot of other stuff happening these Mm -hmm. guys are cool but there's a whole lot of other stuff happening (laughs) beyond this ship and you got one little peek at it in journey to babel so i very quickly i (laughs) finally realized like oh i'm like in the vast minority here Mm. and okay I'll, i'll read all their letters and i'll watch their debates and see what they're arguing about but to me i'm like yes it's progressive and idealistic and and everybody's equal and diversity and yeah yeah. of course it is because if if we weren't then we wouldn't have survived long enough to go into space which is what gene said so to me that Mm -hmm. was always a well yeah but to most people that's what they they hung their psyche on to get out of the 60s and 70s you know originally Mm -hmm. and then we're back to that now but it's like I, I it's like, I just took all that for granted. Okay, fine. Yes, that's all wonderful and nice and awesome. And yes, now, let's get the cool stuff.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I like just want to know, like, what, what is it like to live in 24th century Earth as just a regular non Starfleet officer? I feel like the yep. one... I'm trying to think of civilians that we've seen. Like, we get Jake, we get... uh, Cisco's dad. Yes. Well, yeah, Cisco's dad. And then beyond that, we have Cosmo, I feel like, from Voyager, who's like the cafe owner. But that's it. But we don't really know, okay, what does the average non-Starfleet officer... It's one thing for Picard to say,
5: well, we no longer worry about material and, you know, well, we just better ourselves for the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. exactly. And it's like, what does that look like in... Yeah. 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 The Uh, post-scarcity... Post yes. scarcity world,
1: yeah. So, so I have a question, and I, and this is for Larry specifically because you probably, I'm guessing, know a lot more Star Trek fans than I, I will ever know. Um, but I, I, there's a dilemma I have as a Star Trek fan, and I've had it down Yikes. through the years. Only it one. is it, what's that? I said only <laughs> one, only, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, I think that when people ask me, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Okay? <laughs> oh my god. Um is the the, people that are Star Wars fans or maybe maybe they're just not knowledgeable about science fiction, they see Star Trek as kind of this, you know, they think of the original Trek maybe now and it's, you know, to them looks outdated and a little bit corny and cheesy. Um and they see other Star Trek and maybe they like the JJ J. Abrams films, maybe they don't. Um, but they just they don't really buy the depth of the subject matter that's there. They don't understand the vehicle of science fiction being to talk about real life stuff that really matters, not just flying off in space, seeing aliens and space women half naked, you know, that it's not just about Klingons. It's not there's an underlying story about equality. About politics, about relationships, all of these things, and then D Space Nine added spirituality to that and it list. It did it well, mm-hmm. which was um, great. Like, yeah. so what is that something that's common, or is that just my experience as a Star Trek fan? I mean,
5: well, I no, I would agree. And then the other part of it is, and again, I'm I'm for whatever any anybody. Whatever gets anybody off, whatever fills up their days and gets them right, through, right. you know, whether it's like scraping by or it lifts them, it's, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm clocked out. And here's what I'm going to do with my time on the weekend and right. my friends go do whatever, you know, whatever, if it's sports teams or if it's any slice of pop culture, whatever it is, yeah. gardening, you know, make a quilt, whatever it is, go do <laughs> it. That's awesome. But, um, I, it's, I laugh cause I'm just kidding about it, but it's like the whole, the whole I come from a time when you were if you weren't in the closet about your fandom, you just kind of kept it to yourself until you mm. knew you were around friends gotcha. I mean it sounds I'm like I would never equate myself to what any any group that has struggled for right. respect and recognition mm-hmm. much less like like you know gays and women and right. and the right. gender spectrum and all of that I would never put myself on that but in a in a miniature way that's mm-hmm. been a lot it's like finally hmm. the geeks won, and now we went from. Those sneering hotel waitresses when the Trek kids would come in Saturday morning of a con and they would like wait on them last uh-huh. to now wow. the chambers wow. of commerce running around chasing down comic cons trying to get them to come in because they know it's hotel money and right. tax sales tax right. money and, you know, and attention and all that. I mean, we've come so full circle on that, but I go back to those days when there was. You know, no respect like that, and you had to like you would if you could get your local big paper to run a three inch story for your con, you were doing really good. Now, wow. that's you like, know, whatever. But, yeah. um, but this thing about, it, for one thing, the whole Star Wars Star Trekking, I think was cooked up either by just editors and clickbait people, hmm. or it comes from the Star Wars side. For one thing, we we've all we mm-hmm. had like eight hundred hours of Trek, and they still had twelve movies or something. Yeah, so it was like, mm-hmm. oh, good, man. <laughs> yep. And not that it's about keeping score. It's just where does your it's kind of like why trying to get my head around why I I supported the Kelvin movies, but I knew the nature of the beast was going to be. They do three or four movies and then those they were movies, not series. Mm -hmm. They were going to only be two hours for you know every two or three years, unless they'd made the choice to do a, a series that filled it out fleshed Mm -hmm. it out and or Mm -hmm. even animated but they didn't so once they went down that path then it's kind of like well okay this is what it's going to be and maybe they'll do more than three or four movies but they'll do a three or four movie deal and those movie actors won't want to be tarred they'll want to do other projects and the writers and directors and they don't want to be seen as star trek you know pigeonholes. And that's what will happen. And it's like at the beginning, I was trying to that's one of the things I would do on the con circuit was like, this is not the same thing. And they're like, why aren't they coming to conventions? Because they did their PR tour and then they're done with it. And they come and then when they get paid again, they'll come back and PR tour it. unless they're secretly a fan like Carl Urban or, right, right. or <laughs> Simon Pegg, maybe. But the rest of them have to do their career and get on with it, whatever. Or mm-hmm. else or if they don't, then they're seen to have. They can't get a job elsewhere, so they have to go to Star Trek cons and sign autographs. Right. Oh, my so. God. Like some wash up. <laughs> Has anyone have you guys yeah. seen
3: like um, there's that that show Con Man? Um, Alan oh. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. It's it's a it's a ta- you know, it's a parody of uh, re- really more a little bit uh, from his Firefly days. But it's meant to be a parody of that whole thing where he's kind of typecast in that role on a science fiction show. And so that's what he's doing is going, you know, to con- conventions and he's, the character is not
5: happy. Or, or Galaxy Quest. Right.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. We did, we did, really did really a whole well. show on Galaxy Quest. One of the greatest Quest. movies mm-hmm. ever made. Yeah. On Ga-
5: Ga- Galaxy Quest on like eight le- levels was just amazing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our that's kids were
5: They can't when our kids were like teenagers, they came back and said they were with their friends watching Galaxy Quest. And they kept when they do all the stuff about all the actors feeling like burnouts and dealing with the fans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, when he comes up and he does the thing for the millionth time and he grabs his photo and he signs it (laughs) it and he's talking. Here's the kids in the bathroom, you know, all of that stuff. They were just dying laughing and nobody they were with got it because they were we had infected them. They had our good, good. They had our perspective yeah. DNA, yeah. but they were just dying <laughs> laughing. That's why it's like Galaxy Quest was the best Star Trek movie we ever made. Right,
0: that's right. right. No, but
5: this this thing yeah. about Star Wars and Trek, and it's like I go, it's everybody go do your thing, but you yeah. do know that Star Trek was the first thing to break. There were been sci- science fiction conventions since the '30s, since first fandom and the first hmm. the first World Cons, but. It was always about literature mm-hmm. because nothing was, you know, screen, hidden CGI and anything on screen, movies, much less TV, was 90% of the time just crap because it was so expensive and people just went for the cheap thrills. And if you got your forbidden planet, you know, or your whatever, Day uh, There Stood Still, Um, but... You know, the rest of the time it was the giant, you know, praying mantis, yeah. giant whatever. Thank you, Roger uh, Corman. Yeah, yeah. Or it was right, even mm-hmm. worse than that. It was Roger. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's where it was. And even even Twilight Zone was a revelation on TV. Mm-hmm. You, you yes. Ranger, Ranger Roger. You had the Space Patrol and all that stuff. Yeah. It's all right. cheesy and kids show stuff.
0: Well, they were also driven by their marketing people. You know, you, you I remember seeing like uh, an old Space Patrol at the television and radio museum and they're like, you know, put on your helmets. And of course it's the, you know, their actors are putting on the, 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 the box that the, the cereal came in you're going, Oh my God. But they were all driven by the marketing by whoever was the advertiser in the fifties. That is, you know, and even
5: flash Gordon and and Buck Rogers were comic strips. And then when they tried to bring that to screen, they did cereals and they were cheesy and they didn't yeah. have a lot oh, yeah. of money, and they oh, didn't have the, the technology to do it right anyway. So you had the. Yeah, you had the fifties had the commando on, on wires with the sparky engines. Yeah, in oh, yeah.
0: or or even protons, in the fifties, yeah. commando coders. So to do,
5: yeah. So so Twilight Zone was like the first breakthrough, oh. but it was anthology, and it was mm-hmm. all they rarely did a spacey thing. Most of the time, it was just everyday mm-hmm. looking. You know, set. that was which was what was spooky about it was when they would yeah. turn it. And oh it yeah, be, it's creepy. You know, a, and, and well, then you the had Lost thing... in Space, that was no like cheesy, <laughs> no, <laughs> and even you know Lost in Space started serious, and then very quickly. Yeah, no, the first
0: season, down. the first season was an adventure for them, and it was all shot in black and white, and it was a true adventure. And then, of course, when yeah, by the by, yeah. they went to color in the second season, and so on. When it, was... it became Irwin Allen's Monster of the Week show, you know, well, it became the, the
5: Doctor Smith and Robot show with Will yeah. Ghost. Well, they were Bill, the they
0: were the, the favorite character. Movie. Characters from the series, and they kind of grew from that. But you're absolutely right, you know. And you had other shows. I mean, you you did have you did have but like the it's Star Limits. Trek
5: that busted through that yes. and, and yeah. the fan base. And then mm-hmm. when those Trekkies went to science fiction conventions, they kind of came in as this block, and all the old timers were like, "Yay, we're glad to have you here. Yay, we're still glad to have you here. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you know, you really should go read your." your asimov and your Heinlein and your you know go go down the list you really should know your basics and not just do and they're like we don't care there's way too much here <laughs> plus we're trying to save a show and bring it back you know mm-hmm. and finally they said well maybe you all should just go do you know, they were again they gate kept but it was the, the what 72 73 the first star trek con was the first time media could, fandom happened
2: mm-hmm. and
5: then what happened because of that and they get then they get all the Again, who, uh, uh, I said to who cons, lit cons, world cons and, and regional cons had been happening since the 30s. But did they get the attention that the Trek, the minute, you know, there's a TV guide article about the first Trek con and, and it's mm. blowing up and people, and and there are a lot of people that go, oh, those Trekkie kids, they're wacky. Here, let me get my pair of ears on and they're making fun, but it's out there getting publicity and everybody sure. wants to do it, and that's what lets George Lucas get his last mm. financing to do Star Wars. And then after that, Star Wars blows up, and people say, Star Trek what? you know? And yeah. it's okay, and then you have another boom, and now there's cheesy sci-fi. Again. But from then on, people increasingly kind of came out of the closet about it. Right. But the right. bottom line was it was making money, and eventually that's what people – the generation, the same generation that finally put fanboys and girls into writing Star Trek is the one that finally put them into business and mm-hmm. everywhere else. And the, you could see the dollar and the geeks finally won when mm-hmm. you
0: know,
5: <laughs> the generation took over and the money started talking.
0: Yeah. yeah.
5: But no, you go I, to a Comic-Con yeah. now where start, you know, until the, all the fallow years when there was none. And even now it's creeping back. But the last 20 years, there was no track. I just want to go. Mm-hmm. You guys know Why? it's Star Trek that got you here. Like the whole generation doesn't know and doesn't care. And, yeah. and the 12 year olds running around their anime costumes don't get, right. don't know. And that's fine. Well, but I have a 12 year old
3: you know who who's getting into lower decks and lower see, decks. That's is bringing what, him that's in into
5: Star that yeah. so cool. Yes. Like,
4: I feel like for me, there's been a resurgence because I graduated high school in 2009. And up until that point, Star Trek was not something that I would like. I had my moment of, of announcing to my, like, to my high school that, hey, I'm a Trekkie and having people support mm-hmm. that and not think it was stupid. But I remember being in New York that year and for the first time ever in my entire life, I saw a poster of Star Trek that other people could see. And it was like this moment where it's like, oh, wow, it's going public again and people are actually talking about it because I feel like when I was into it, it was from the 90s. And so from like, I'm I'm trying to remember when I started watching it, but like after 2002, it kind of died and then no one was talking about it. But then I remember hearing people talking about 2009 in my high school. I was like, man, it's back. So it seems to have had like a second resurgence. And now I feel like now we're at a spot where it's like, okay, there are more Trekkies. And it's like, I always think of um, X-Men 2 when Professor X comes out and says, look, there's more of us than you, than, you know, and he's like announcing the mutants. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's how I feel when other Trekkies are around. But then going to Vegas, it's like, wow, we really are everywhere. And it's and people seem to accept it. Um, what's Oh, yeah. Was, sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, no. I was, was going to say, what's a shame? So I was in high school in the late 80s, early 90s when Next Generation was on. And I would never have called myself like a closet Trekkie. I mean, like I didn't hide it. But what's really interesting is in recent years, finding out some of my high school classmates mm-hmm. who I was, you know, acquaintance kind of friends with, they were also into it. Now they weren't yeah. going to conventions. I was going to conventions, so I still like think I'm I'm, I'm be bigger trekkie, yeah. but I like didn't know that my classmates were as into it as I was, and it's kind of like a shame that we were all kind of like in some way closet like. Not, yeah, it was not that we were deliberately very,
5: well, they are what yeah. I call have called armchair fans, like, they yeah, mm-hmm. sit at home and watch. And maybe they get an if and if their parents or mm-hmm. or whatever, maybe they get an action figure when they get really crazy, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, okay. or they get a sure you know, yep.
5: towel or they get a pillowcase or something that's like that's very quiet. And they just well, and it's not like yeah. they're it's like they're hiding, it's just that they don't know to they don't feel to do anything else, they're, they don't, yeah. on their radar. Except for yeah. now,
3: they can quote lines and so it's, it's it's almost like it's a little bit more than that. It's a like a little more than that. I kind of like I wish I had known at the time because we could have all gotten together yeah. and like watched and Trek on Saturday it. nights and talked about but it. it. Instead, I watched my episode and I got online to early versions of the, you know, pre internet bulletin boards and actually we had like a chat going with strange, you know, like Pretty much strangers who lived, you know, in the different counties around. That's that was my trek interaction, Mm -hmm. my trek club, not the people who were actually I was in school with, who I could have been talking to the whole time about it. I
4: I don't think I had. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you go, you go, Chris. Go ahead. I was going to say I don't think I actually. I'm trying to remember when I actually started talking to other people who were just as into it as I was, and like thinking about growing up, like I had my best friend who. Would he became like I call him like a secondhand Trekkie because he knows a lot of the references and yeah, I've exposed like him that. to Star Trek Generations <laughs> secondhand more good. times than I probably should have? But he's not like a fan, but he knows all my stuff, so we could talk about it. Uh, okay, but wait, it wait, wait. I don't understand oh, yeah.
5: why he knows he knows all this minutiae and canon detail and trivia, but he's not a big fan. How do you I, how does... it, it's <laughs> weird because it's like
4: we have so many conversations about, but I would not <laughs> classify him as a Trekkie in that like, he's a diehard, like going to dress up with me, but I've exposed him to the movies and he has questions about it. And we will talk about stuff. And well, see some people are such a
5: dress that they're not cosplay costume people. I mean, everybody's but I'm not even a cos-
4: Yeah. I'm not yeah. even like a huge costume cosplay guy, but I don't know. That's actually a good it's... question, but I don't think of him as like a hardcore Trekkie just as someone who, Likes Star Trek and enjoys how much I like it, I think, and understands, like, appreciates aspects of it, but isn't, like, mm. a hardcore Trekkie is going to, like, devote. But you said he was quoting
5: things to you.
4: Uh, He would quote sometimes. Um, he'll or he'll get references if I quote it, but I don't think he can quote like I can. Oh, okay. But... I thought
5: you said okay. Yeah, but
0: I, it, I can't it, quote like you guys can. All right, and I've been watching for 50, it, 60 I, years or whatever. You know, your
3: your friend might be like how I am with my husband with football. I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan, but I can I can talk to him about his Steelers. A lot because for the last ten years he's been talking to me about it, and I my I remember all the things, yeah, so right. I can have a conversation. I'm not a football
2: fan, well, my, my, but yeah, I can play I think one on that TV. Must be it. <laughs> my yeah, so something
1: like, like that. My fandom is taking a, a new step forward. I have never dressed up. I always get asked that. Hey, oh, you're turkey. Oh, you you dress up, you know, which which is now is much more popular. What's your favorite with, uniform? Right, What's with favorite com- with oh, the comic cons and everything. Everybody's dressing up these days. It seems like. But I've never done that. But I am going to do something I've never done for the first time in my life as a Star Trek fan. I'm going to Columbus, Ohio's GalaxyCon oh, yeah. the beginning of December to my first convention. And I'm meeting William Shatner, uh, Frakes, Gates, Spiner, Delancey, hopefully Terry Farrell. Uh, I just learned Terry Farrell's cool. added into there. He, he, he's
0: he's bringing um, $100 bills to pay for all those right, right. So <laughs>
1: Okay, Brian, when you go...
5: Somebody else who will be there is – and this name may mean nothing to any of you all, but Laura Banks will be a guest.
1: Laura Banks, okay. Laura Laura Banks Banks
5: was was one of Khan's two blondes, except she's the one that had the one line. Okay. (laughs) Oh, she had Khan's – now we'd say Augments, but back then it was Khan's superhumans. And she – uh, got herself to the con to the ultimate fantasy in Houston. That my documentary is about the con of wrath, and mm-hmm. I met her. And she just did a book, and she just did her first Vegas con for the first time in ages. Wow! Wait, was
4: she was she there this year? Was she? Uh, she's the navigator, right? She was con's navigator. Yeah. Oh, I did see her. That's cool.
5: Yeah. So she's going to she's excited because she's going to be at at Galaxy Con in Columbus. Oh, cool. Cool. I'll I'll say that Larry said hi.
4: All right. I will. All right. that's cool. That's that's awesome.
5: Yeah, I think she's planning on having her book out by. Well, it's close. If not out by then, she's still trying to promote it ahead of time. Right.
1: Right. Cool. Thank you for that. I'll look her up. But,
0: you know, it's interesting. It's like once even if you're just, but that was small... only
5: for you. Nobody else. Yeah. Listening.
1: Right. So the yeah, I just yeah. said, what'll well, so be after the fact that. by the time this airs, it'll be yeah. after this will be. Yeah. Uh, so. I was <laughs> say, Heaven forbid if safe.
5: anybody hears this and then goes and looks up her book online. And right. It, that was yeah. She has a crazy, crazy story. It's, it's about her whole Hollywood life, but she has an amazing star Trek II perspective of that whole situation. Yeah, and she wound cool. up dating Shatner for about six months
0: oh well, no oh, well, there's did she, did she write about that
5: in the book yes oh yeah that okay. and her i would love and, to yeah
0: all he ever wanted me to do was feed horses i mean i'm boring We you go out on a date is... he'd want to feed horses you know
4: and charge <laughs> paramount i still think that's was awesome just... that he got to charge paramount for the horses and generations yeah. that's all i is this
3: close encounters with captain kirk the making of the wrath of khan and the rest of it
5: yes except she just changed the name back to uh something simpler Okay. I think the Wrath of Blonde, I think, is her name now. Okay. Okay. Because wow. I, I will, because that was, that was, it's available
3: for pre sale. So she was, yes.
4: so she was dating like, per, I, I shouldn't call him Perm Captain William Shatner, but like Wrath of Con Shatner when <laughs> yeah. he had the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool.
1: Yeah. People so are it's shocked it's... to hear Shatner is, 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 wears wigs if you never knew that.
0: I feel like I, we've been people. for a people, long time. I encounter people, I'm okay. telling you.
1: Okay. I encounter people still who say Shatner's blonde. What? Yes. Yeah, I had a, I lot, of have a lot of money to of buy, buy really good wigs.
0: Well, I remember I was yeah. I took I we went to the uh, Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. We went, there with oh, went, went to the uh, lucky, first time I went to one of the uh, Star Trek conventions. Anyway, we're walking through there and there were some tribbles. you know, right there. And this mom is showing it to his little, her little boy, and she says, "You know what that is?" I said, "Yeah, that's Shatner's hair pieces." (laughs) And the mom (laughs) starts to bust up, and the kid's like, "What? I don't don't understand."
1: You gotta, you know, we gotta like more of his education. Ruined that little boy's moment with his mother. I'm sorry, I
0: just couldn't help He's it. Fine. I was a bad person. I was a bad person. But the, the interesting <laughs> thing about the conventions is that it seems like even like this person you were just said, this actress, if you're even in just for a few minutes of Star Trek, all of a sudden you are now part of the universe and you could go mm-hmm. to the convention and even if you were a had a non-speaking role of playing C- Christopher Pike in the original series and you just got to go, beep, you are still people want to get your autographs. And get or you were non-speaking
5: role as the third blue shirt from the left in that one scene or something. Yes.
0: You, <laughs> yeah. you. So it's almost like once it's almost like saying um okay your your baseball team gets a player and they came on and they mid-season and they play for just half a season. But for you, they're always going to be a Dodger or whatever, because they were once on your team. And so that's it. And it just seems like once someone is appears in a Star Trek movie or TV series or whatever, they're Star Trek. They'll it's be like always, they always remembered for that.
5: Yeah, it's like no matter where they roam, they always have a bed they can go (laughs) go into (laughs) no it's like all these it's it really struck me with the original series guest stars because i would talk to some of them and it finally dawned on me because there's these aside from conventions and even comic-con there are signing shows where literally all they do Mm. is sit i mean that's Mm -hmm. kind of what they do at cons anyway but they usually have them on on a panel or something at least Mm -hmm. once if it's a huge one if it's a smaller con they'll do more with them than that but but they have these signing shows like here in la because and probably in new york Where there are a lot of, you know, retired actors and people still want to go see Dick Van Dyke or something, you know, but they'll be there. And a lot of these actors have worked a million roles. And if they've got some, you know, more iconic, um, you know, a a show that became famous like a Star Trek or or something else that's got some notoriety, it's pop culture, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, Detective Fred and his five assistants (laughs) or something. That's a that's a very low, a very forgotten show from the 70s, Detective Franco. Oh, Detective Frective. <laughs> yeah. Five minions. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like they'll sit there and they'll have all their photos, you know, from all their roles, unless they've done it a million times and they know they should they should order mm-hmm. more of some than others. But you taught these people that were like working actors and they never were famous, famous they never got a lead, or they were in a pilot that never sold, or they were in 42 pilots that never, you know, but they worked their whole life. Mm-hmm. and but they had original series or now next generation even or mm-hmm. or ds9 but they had like two days or three days on one star trek in the 60s and it's like it's its whole industry mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they're getting rich on it but i mean it's like they'll sit there and go you know what i worked for 40 years and i did <laughs> right. 782 roles and what is the, if I, it's like if I had known for those three days in March, 1967, that for the rest of my life, these three days are what I'm going to be known for. I would have, you know, b- bought five Polaroids and we would have been shooting the hell out of them. I mean, you know, right, it's like I would have right. been writing my memoirs on these three days every second that went by.
0: And And if you did, people would buy it up because it's mm-hmm. another thing well, about yeah. Star Trek lore. Now, here's a good question. And we were talking about Star Trek versus Star Wars all these cons that you talk about and all these it seems to be that if star trek actors appear they're going to get the attention but all the actors that have appeared in the various star wars movies or even tv shows are there any of these cons where you're going to go and say oh my goodness it's you know you know this actor or that actor whatever
5: here's the practical thing most of the star wars actors are british or english hmm. So you're going to be in the States, especially away from the East Coast, but you're going to see tons of these unless it's a special like celebration or something that's dedicated. To Star Wars. It's too expensive for them to fly over here.
0: Yeah. OK. And for
5: the promoters to have them. So that right there. But again, it's a movie. And you know what you might you talk about the extras or the guy with one line,
0: the guy. Yeah, exactly. With one even line that, or even shows. or even the minor care. I mean, you know But the
5: I mean the pool of screen time is way smaller. Now now yeah. you've got Mandalorian and you've got, you know, you've but even now we're in the era of the eight episode season and the ten yeah. episode back when Star Trek's doing cranking out twenty-six, and you've got mm-hmm. how many series are doing, you know, seven year twenty six. There's just so many hours of Star Trek for people to be part of. If not even acting to be writing, directing props, craft service not Even, snack but even table.
0: the newer I show, mean, even the newer series that have come out, these actors are appearing at the cons. They're they're gonna be there and they're promoting yeah. either themselves or Star Trek or the whole shebang. And I love I think that's what makes it special.
1: I love that it, um it appears at least that there seems to be a genuine love by a lot of the people involved in New Trek for Star Trek. Okay and i see Mm -hmm. that especially i've seen it on discovery for sure but i think strange new worlds in particular Mm -hmm. it seems Mm -hmm. like the actors themselves are just gushing with love for trek and Mm -hmm. wanting it to be excellent can a lot of them are
5: fans themselves uh... and they'll tell their origin story like my uncle my dad my mom my grandma You Mm -hmm. know, my best friend Fred, they'll they'll that had the detective show with the five minions. They'll (laughs) they'll, you can tell that because you can look at the old cat, I mean, it's a moot point for the original, but even when you got to next gen, Michael Dorn was a fan when he was like a teenager, yeah, yeah, you know, and um, and, and and um, well, you can go through the um. All the cast got it. There's always like one person who was like a fan in the cast and and whether they let it on or not later on, maybe they, they bust it wide open, but yeah. I feel like
3: today (laughs) with all the social media and all the interaction, everything you kind of have to be, if you're willing, you know, one, if you're willing to sign up for that role, you kind of have to be a fan. And I, I feel like if I'm, if I'm the one hiring, if I'm the one casting, because I know there is going to be all that interaction, I need to bring someone in. like that's got to be part of my casting decision too. Is if someone comes in, they kind of have to like and understand the fandom Can, a little bit too. I
1: like, um... I agree with that to an extent. Yeah, I think I think that Paramount brought in, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. I don't, I don't mean any disrespect to his career or anything, but the guy directed Nemesis oh, oh right. no, i'm talking now beard, not cause... not
3: even then but i'm talking now with all the new shows now right. i feel right. like there's got to be an awareness
5: that like i'm i'm gonna yeah. say that i bet i i don't think that enters in until if they actually got the point where they're like we got it down to two people and mm-hmm. it's 50 50 and we've literally gone down all the check boxes we cannot decide who between and maybe one of them that might tilt the decision. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like when I'm thinking about like people that I've heard talk about Trek now, I feel like, like why can't I think of her name? She plays, she voices Mariner. Um, uh, I feel T- like uh, Tony
3: Newsome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel
4: like listening to her, it who- sounds like she's such a legit fan. She'll reference things. I'm mm-hmm. like listening to her talk. I remember like even, and I'm so mad. I didn't get her to do a voice note, but she was doing voice notes at the convention. Uh. And, like, her references were funny, but she just sounds like like someone I could just hang out with right. and, like, be like, let's talk about Star Trek for two hours. Whereas I feel like other actors, I've heard them say, oh, yeah, I grew up with this, I grew up with that, but not on the same level of her. Um, and I felt like that's rare to be, like, man, mm-hmm. she was really hardcore to the point where she'll say in interviews, yeah. you know, I'd go head, not go head to head, but I would, like, challenge Mike McMahon on some some lore or continuity and point something mm-hmm. out to him be like, well, remember when this happened in the series...
5: Well, she's uh, so, really, she's really like quick-witted to begin. I mean, she could yeah. outwit with you on something, anything, you know, like yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I don't know, you know, like Belgian waffle trivia. She could out, <laughs> she could just take any topic and then just go with it and make it funny because she's quick-witted that way. You know, she could go yeah. off the grid. Huh, see what I did there nah. about Belgian waffles or any. I mean, mm-hmm. but then yeah, you can't hide that. You can't make that. You can't coach it. Yeah. You can't cram right, for yeah. it. Then you have when like you can you can smell it a mile. It's like anything else. If it's not there, and so everybody's got their. That's what I'm saying. You, if they're good performers and good entertainers and they're good at their jobs, their yeah. trek. It's the same thing with the writers, mm-hmm. you know. Oh and yeah, that's why it was like they were when they were bashing Discovery at the beginning. Part of it was just because it was so chaotic, mm-hmm. but by the time it settled down. The writers they had like the last half of the season were all really huge Trek fans, mm-hmm. and but the outside world was going, oh, they need to get people that know what they're talking about. Why don't they hire someone? I'm like, oh God, they, mm-hmm. did it ever occur to you that these people have bosses that don't just mm-hmm. let them run wild? Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs>
1: which is they're true accountable. Of, it's to true of
5: art department and visual effects. I mean, there's a lot of people that are fans, but then they have people up the chain who, yeah may not agree you know and then they wow. have to, if they can climb the ladder to get to where they're making the decisions like ira did like ron did and you know yeah eventually people do get to can, 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 do,
1: do you have a I, I don't know if i've ever heard you answer this or not but have you have do you have a favorite within the do you not do you not go there
5: Oh no! What, i when you said oh. you never heard me answer this? I was like, what? "Oh, sorry, sorry."
1: No, do, a do, is there a, f- a favorite series or film? Oh, indoor like, film, because I mean, like, everyone I know they have two or three. You know, gotta say, yeah. Two or three. It's
5: like I don't in the old days when we only had one series, no bloody ABC.
0: right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you.
5: I could say my t- my old co favorites were Journey to Babel and Doomsday Machine. Mm.
4: Oh okay. Doomdays is yeah, they're
5: both great. But not to say that, you know, in the top five, City on the Edge and I mean, you know, mm-hmm. hey,
3: you're allowed to have different favorites and you're allowed to change I mean, your mind. We've established this many
5: yeah, times. On I the like show.
4: City yeah. on the Edge of Forever, but it's not my favorite of the original series episodes. Not one that I tend to rewatch a ton. But mm-hmm. um yeah. Doomsday, oh, so good.
5: See, I would pick Journey to Babel over Doomsday. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. Well, I have a, I have a, those those are my co favorites. I love them for different. But again, not to say that I don't have other favorites too. But since then, like all the other <laughs> this is weird now that Next Gen has been on for 30 years or something, but it's like, it's it's getting there now. And there are, it's like, I feel like there's safe answers. Like you always could say City on the Edge for your favorite. Right. And right. for a long time, it was like, well, your favorite TNG was. Best of both worlds and yesterday's Mm -hmm. enterprise, and those Mm -hmm. were the easy ones. And Mm -hmm. and, um, um, what you call it, the inner light was. I loved inner light, but I I love inner. I I never think about it in my top 10, but that's I do. (laughs) I really do. Yeah, I'm 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 a frame
4: of mind. Great, great (laughs) frame
5: of mind. (laughs) I love frame (laughs) of mind
4: (laughs) way too much.
5: Oh, that's funny. But but, the newer, all the newer, like next gen, I waded through it two or three times to do the i did my original books and then do the the companion book and then i was in la by the time ds9 and voyager and enterprise were all being made Mm -hmm. and i when you see the sausage being made sometimes that affects Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but ds9 i'm like oh my god they had so many incredible actors and the fact that you know, the thing that people would say, it doesn't go anywhere. DS9 just sits there. It's a station. (laughs) does such an
4: annoying argument.
5: But they had, because it didn't go anywhere, they had 50 recurring characters. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm.
4: With depth that were real people.
5: Yeah. Right. And with people who could act the hell out of wearing a mask. I mean, all the Cardassians and Zerengi and go down the line, you know.
0: Well, that was the great thing. They came to it as opposed to it going to them. I mean, even, I hate to say, but even Gilligan's Island, where they were on an island by themselves, still got guest stars to appear on the show. <laughs> Those poor people, exactly. <laughs> but still, it's like you, you know, maybe it's better where they come to you as opposed to you going because to them. Well, know? they
1: solved it. They solved it though with the defiant too. They threw that mm-hmm. in there. It was a cool little ship, yeah. or as Worf would say, little, um, little. You know, but but in the Dominion War stuff, like they Deep Space Nine was is just so unique among all the Trek um love it or hate Ah, it it is unique among all. i
5: know i knew then and boy do i know now that voyager was like so affirmational for every little girl out there much less woman yeah because and not just because of janeway because of seven and and but at the same time voyager to me is almost like the big well one of the disappointments because i know when they did the pilot everybody was so excited and it's like it immediately got watered down and vanillaed
2: from yeah, between the network
5: yeah. and just things happening. Well, that's
0: and and it's interesting like... you say and, that. And Larry. character yeah. growth,
4: no, yeah. well, I shouldn't say there's no character growth, but I felt like if they they had the opportunity to be very much like DS9, but in a spaceship, where it's like you get to have living, breathing people that grow mm. and change over the years. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I also... this, but I have to go back to like look into Nugg, Look at Nug; he is a reoccurring character, not a main character. I compare him to Kim; it's like. Oh, I feel so bad for uh, Garrett. Like, he needed, he needed some, like, Ensign Nog writing. Yeah. But, well, it's well, like, little it, Larry yeah. Garrett
5: stayed up too late playing his video mm-hmm. games the first year.
4: Well,
0: Larry, <laughs> I mean,
5: I... It's I, like, I'm currently putting behind on the promotion yeah, list. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, well, for me, Larry, it was like, when when Voyager came on, and you got into that, like you said, it was getting a little long in the tooth. And by the time Voyager was done, I was like, I was done with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Really, I was I was you like were in a burnt out. Yeah. I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. And then Enterprise shows up. And I am going, this is completely different. It's they're going back, they're reestablishing, it's more real, you know, that's more relatable to our society now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that show brought me back. It snapped me back into Star Trek again. Plus, I hate to hate to say it, but there was this little magazine called Star Trek Communicator. <laughs> that I was getting at that point, finally found it. And How old reading. are you
5: guys? Wow. Um,
0: I I got the
5: uh
3: not not well, necessarily young.
4: I was in grade five when when uh <laughs> when Enterprise aired two thousand so yeah, yeah I was just starting did that, put that out. and you and
0: you know and the magazine was writing up about the show and you were learning about it and it was interesting. It had a lot of and it was like all of a sudden my love of Star Trek came back again from that show. And you know, short lived, only eight, four years, but it was, it yeah. would, it got back to where I wanted to be with Star well, Trek. I,
5: I love hearing you say, and I'll just say this real quick. So mm-hmm. I, when I first did the companion and I went to, there was a, a Wichita creation that I could drive to and I wrote creation. I said, I mm-hmm. just did the next gen, but can I, and they're not going to pay any money, <laughs> notoriously uh, tight pursed there as they always <laughs> have been. But they said, sure, come by and, you know, bring some books. So we'll give you a table. So I actually like drove the three hours up to Wichita and went in and I talked about writing the book. And it was I learned a lot. It was like Mm. I was so boring because people don't want to know your process for writing. I mean, if you can make little soundbite nuggets, that's cool. But it was like. I got to do something different. Then I felt guilty because I didn't, I don't, I didn't work on the show. Mm-hmm. I just wrote about the people yeah. that worked on the show. And at first it felt disingenuous. Like I, I have to be honest about how am I going to do this? Cause I really wanted to, mm-hmm. cause I'd been a fan and organizer and all that, but I wanted to, I wanted to pivot and get into pro Trek world, but I didn't know how to do it honestly. And then finally, and this is back in the day. And it really, even though we've got so much digital and tech and, media Mm -hmm. out here it's still pretty much true it's like well if i have all the people tell me their stories and when they're fresh it's things that people are never going to hear about now they're Mm going to do a better chance there's a better chance now of hearing about what they're doing but Mm -hmm. even then it's still a fraction of what might happen that's what you're seeing on the bonus features and in even in podcasts that's like still a fraction of what you know day-to-day life is so where I got my sanity was saying, I'm going to be there with fans and tell them the stories and preserve the stories and photograph the things mm-hmm. that don't get told otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the and I'm staying away from the actors, not staying away, but I mean, the actors are going to do their thing. Yeah. And that's the shiny thing that everybody wants to pay for and have an autograph from. And that's cool. And they're awesome. Yeah. But the bulk of the show is so that's kind of how I made made my peace with what my role could be. And then, you know, later on we got to pitch things. But the other thing that I realized was when I sat at home and watched everything from like entertainment tonight cover, cause that's how you got media before the internet was watching mm-hmm. entertainment tonight yep. cover, you know, or you'd see, or you got, could get star log or you could get, you know, even the communicator the official fan club magazine, but so many times you would i would read an interview and a it was over it was the same person over and you know actors over and over again but it's like they're not they're asking bland shallow questions or it's the same thing oh how did it feel when you you know yeah it's like can we (laughs) like move on and i realized that when i i say when i got the keys to do the companion and when i got to do edit the magazine and then when i just did my own stuff it's like i have It dawned on me that I think the reason I've done well is because, A, I am a fan, Mm -hmm. but i have also a trained journalist, and I also know the entertainment industry. And I think there's a lot of fans who know Trek, and they have no idea, you know, why did this happen and that happened? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a big structural entertainment industry thing. It's not Mm -hmm. a Trek thing. Or this is the way actors and directors in TV interact with each, you know, this is the way the, you know. Here's the way some of the business process works. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with Trek, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I just felt like I had all three legs of a three-legged stool that went together. It's like so mm-hmm. now when I get to do the, do it my way, I, it was really gratifying to have people not only like the companion come out because I mm-hmm. I'm looking at B. Joe's book and I'm looking at and at the uh, the Star Trek uh, the one that what's his name wrote so pocketbooks would have their own version of the making of uh, Alan mm-hmm. Asherman's compendium book. It's like mm-hmm. I'm looking at all of those, and mine has to st- those have been on people's shelves for 20 and 30 years by then. Mine has to stand the test of time, even though mm-hmm. I had a crappy conditions to write it under, like three months. Oh and wow. then changed Whoa. to six months for the yeah, Boy. yeah, Boy. for the first wow. one. Wow. But it's like I can't be that guy that everybody goes, Oh, this is pocketbooks just wanting to rip us off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I can't mm-hmm. be that guy even though it's not my fault because no one's gonna mm-hmm. care or ever hear, and I'm not gonna bad mouth pocketbooks or right, you know right. the system or right, right. i can't you can't be you can't be even when crappy stuff happens same thing happens to the actors or the writers it's maybe in 20 years they'll talk about it but in the moment you can't bring things down unless something literally really does blow mm-hmm. up so yeah it's like years go by and i'm like well this is like i just asked the questions that i wanted asked that i was tired right. of not seeing asked or just the idea of this is the way actors are. This is the way artists are. This is the mm-hmm. way makeup people or prop people. This is the way direct, you know, TV directors are the movie directors. So it's like, that's. And just my thing about the actors always get talked to. They're always going to be on the magazine covers. They're always going to get right. all the lead stuff, but it's like those people in the audience that wanted to hear more. And they, and, you know, Jonathan say, well, that's a, that's a Dan Curry question. That's a, it's mm-hmm. like, i'll be for those people yeah. except at the time i thought there were like 20 of us so now i <laughs> thanks thank you internet now i know there's more like 20 million <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: Yeah. And, around, and around the world so that's right. why I, everything with portal 47 and you know my podcasts and everything i do and the tours that we do the location sites all that stuff is about here's let's combine all those brain lobes into one thing and mm-hmm. yeah. so i hope i that's why i i, I hope i'm I'm doing my own thing itch to do it and then sharing it with everybody and hopefully now doing it as a business on one part of it as a business. And well,
0: I think that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast because we like to look into the bits and pieces of something as opposed to just talking about it in a general sense. And we've been lucky to get some actors. We've been lucky to get some technical people like Doug Drexler and we got Mm -hmm. John okay. Billingsley, and then we even... Doug
5: will wear you out.
0: He's so awesome. Doug Doug was Doug was a Doug was a two-parter, just like John. That's how much he had to he could talk. I had a lot to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. You know, but then we also interviewed um yeah, and... we also interviewed Tommy Kraft, who made Star Trek Horizon because we want he made a mm-hmm. uh, probably he the made best a movie. Fan, he made a fan film, and you've no. seen it and you know just how good a film it was. And you know, we want to hear his story, why he did that, what was his reason behind. And he did it his... post
5: Axanar, right? Or
0: was I, he... yes, yes, yeah. I believe yes. so.
1: Yeah. yeah.
5: Anybody that does a fan film now, oh, I'm no. just like, right. oh my
0: god, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, and he did it as it was cathartic because he had gone through a bad depression, and watching Enterprise took him out of it, and so he wanted to do this as a way of saying thank you. Thank but you. it's it's these stories that we do, and and not just for Star Trek, but discussing other films. Other TV series, things like that. When we get into the discussion about, wait, there are other I mean,
5: films and TV series. <laughs> oh, believe there's it or,
0: there or not, two. there's a few, a few. Yeah, there, Those there two. is. You know, but again, I, that's why we are the big sci-fi podcast, I, and not the big Star Trek. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. But it, like I
0: it, we always joke and say it gets back to Star Trek. But it everything really,
4: does. My yep. my whole life does.
1: Well. <laughs> Well, let me, let me say this as we kind of wrap up our time with Larry, Mm -hmm. um, sir, thank you for all of your input into fandom, into Trek, all the things that you have done. Cause I I think you are spot on, sir. There are millions of fans that want to know more than just the surface level. What was it like? Um, and so your contributions to Trek and for our fandom is, is quite large Mm -hmm. and we're just so thankful for all the work that you've done uh go ahead i just
5: say everybody's everybody it's wonder it's like your first time to be in love everybody is entitled Mm -hmm. to their starry-eyed passion moment when they discover trek or a new trek series or anything Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. in this
5: case star trek I'm just saying and go do that and go worship yeah. those faces yeah. that you see at the beginning but eventually you're going to start reading the net you're going to go oh, wait this is a Dorothy oh. Fontanis this is a Ron mm-hmm. Moore show mm-hmm. this is yeah. a, you know and then you start down that line and then after you've been around the block three or four times or more mm-hmm. then it, it, you're if you want to stay as passionate about it you got to find something new and my point is there's just well I have a saying for portal 47. I say it's for all the star Trek fans who have no idea how much star Trek they still have no idea about.
4: Yeah. yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. And, yeah. That's,
5: and that's, and and you know, when, when, when enterprise was canceled, I remember somebody on the crew, they were all kind of depressed and all that. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of inevitable, but I remember somebody looking over, I mean, I was doing a set visit thing and somebody looked over at me and said, uh, what about the magazine? Are you guys still going to keep going? And like, like, what it like, they were thinking, what else is there still to do now? And I'm like, are you kidding? There is always more Star Trek to find to discover. And that's the to, thing. To right. It's like,
0: once, once Enterprise ended, it's like, okay, Star Trek is, there's nothing to talk about. But there is, there is so much oh, more well, to there talk was, about. It
5: gave you a break, if nothing else. Yeah. You got to have a breather and turn around and maybe try to talk to, especially original series people that hadn't passed yet. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at least now we can go. You know, talk to them. But I remember th- I remember thinking that was there were a lot of people who were in the active Trek world that were now out of a job and mm-hmm. saying, well, gosh, what's going to happen? now?" I'm like, are you kidding? We can now go back and catch up on all the stuff we mm-hmm. had not got to yet.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely because we right. Were, you know, and
5: so. when there were two series coming out simultaneously, it's still not back there. People, like, oh, my God, there's five Star Treks. I'm like, yeah, but they're pretty much one after the other. Mm-hmm. And they do overlap mm-hmm. and yeah. they, they pile up but it's not like when we had two shows going and a yeah. movie thrown in every couple of years, right. mm-hmm. that was the ah, same.
4: Those but, were
1: yeah, good times right. people <laughs> were <not> behind. <laughs> you couldn't, you yeah. could
5: not keep, keep up and process at all until <sighs> a few years went by. Yeah.
1: Such all a good right. point. And I know, mm-hmm. I know Steve's got a terrific closer for us, but where yeah. can people find you, Larry? Where, where, what, where can they listen to you? Watch you oh. keep, keep up to date?
5: Well, Larry is kind of a hub. Course, mm-hmm. every week we do the Trek Files from Roddenberry, which is files out of Gene's uh, memos and letters and artwork. And then we have a, a guest, a professional guest with us. It's just 15, 20 minutes every week, but that's anywhere you get your podcast. But our Facebook page is where we actually have the documents too. So mm-hmm. memos and letters. Oh, and that's
0: things. cool. Yeah.
5: And you can go back through, we've had nine seasons, and we, you know, early on we had Dorothy Fontana still and uh, mm-hmm. several people that have you know passed since. Yeah. But there's the Trek Files, and every Tuesday I do Trekland Tuesdays live mm-hmm. at 1 Pacific 4 Eastern, and that's just on my YouTube and Facebook, and we have chat after I have a topic. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing coming up is the thing we've pivoted to, although COVID paused this, but now we're mm-hmm. roaring back, is this whole thing about, which is very cool, location tours here around L.A., going to the location sites of all the series, And I do that as Trekland Treks. Uh, But for the people who are coming to LA, uh, if you have any cruisers who are coming on the official cruise in February, I'm doing a special day before and a day after uh, they're on the boat. So mm -hmm. it's a prepackaged thing. And then in the summer, there's a big, there's a company called Geek Nation Tours, which is Terrence Cassidy and his wife. Um, And we haven't done it since 2016, but we do like a Mm multi-day tour to the location sites with more actors involved. And some bigger scope things, and this next July we're going to do ten days, L.A. and San Francisco, and oh, we've got four fantastic. actors and That's behind the cool. scenes people so far with more to come. So anyway, that it's it's yeah. again, it's like people, everybody's looking for new ways to love their trek and get into it, and mm-hmm. you know and conventions are awesome, and the cruise is caught on now, but. Um, the the thing with the location jurors, I, I still think there's a lot of people that don't even know that's a thing right. exists. So mm-hmm. I, I will I have to say I this. To bring, I will say of course, this. I bring. It's like, oh yes, here's the 18 shows that shot in Bronson Canyon. Yeah. and It was Bajor and it was the Roman Planet, and it was City. Mm-hmm. and here's when. Oh uh, no. it, yeah, the bushes are different. Well, that was 40 years ago, and it was in March, <laughs> not September. And you know, was what it the I, one that everybody I like, complained about?
0: No, say what? What I what I like, Larry, was that in the first season of Star Trek Picard and they go, he goes to visit his old friend and he, <laughs> right. he says he's living in Vasquez rocks.
4: That was wild. That was a weird. And that like, is
0: what? like the iconic Star Trek location here in the Southern California area. Oh, and it, it grew is, up, yeah. grew up still going. I still go there and realize, Oh yeah, this is where the Gorn was. This is where Kirk fought it, you know, and you could tell those spots. So yeah.
5: And, and but, a lot more, but and people can go to Vasquez and it's awesome. And you see those rocks and you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like, do you see my, that's my Trek land treks logo there. That's the, Mm -hmm. I use the rocks. Oh, it's the rocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. But, um, when we take the big tour there we have Bobby Clark come over and talk about wearing the Gorn suit when the, mm-hmm. you could see Bobby at a con but to be in Vasquez with Bobby talking about exactly mm-hmm. where they shot and the order and what it was like to wear uh, the suit on a hot day and mm-hmm. you know even now I want to
3: have a new reasons to come out to LA I
4: need to there go to, I'm, I'm dying to go yeah, to LA you, you
0: guys you guys but there were tons
5: to, more besides yeah. the I'm just going to say tons more besides the Gorn shoot right. there, well right.
4: because yeah. like so the, the canyon you mentioned is that the canyon where like I always heard that oh when actors would have to go film there they like everybody Bronson's hated
0: bronson it- caves is that you're referring to
5: well bronson cave the 60s batman one end of it was the bat cave oh it was the bat yeah. cave the stock yeah. footage it's but there's serious. a man-made cave <laughs> under a kind of a rock but it goes into a bowl and they've used it for everything from 894 and bread and circuses to bajor and ensign row mm-hmm. and then the next week it was the moon where brian keith's old farmer was
4: Oh on D S
5: nine, it was um Oh the one where he has
4: to leave and yeah. then the to get one him off, Kess
5: and Prit when when Picard and Beverly are are linked oh, yeah. telepathically okay. and there's a barrier a force field barrier mm-hmm. and they come out of the yeah. It's it's been used for a billion because it fun thing, it's like a mile from Paramount. So it was like yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's easy to get there. To... So we're going there. <laughs> all right.
0: You yeah. got, we got a date, folks. You yep. come to California, <laughs> yeah. we're going to hit, we're going to go to Bronson's Caves. We're going to go to Vasquez <laughs> Rocks yeah. and you'll go, okay, I've I've lived, I've done. Yeah. So, There's
5: only, But this, so those are the famous ones. There's also like really yeah. obscure places. So if you're like a fan of this show or episode or this series and you want to say, I want to go to all the, you know, we were talking about Space City. Mm-hmm. Space uh, Park. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can yeah, go to, so, see.
3: Mm-hmm. I can go there. Uh, you know, if I, if, if my company were to just send me out to California randomly, but yeah, space mm-hmm. park for operation in Ani- the red wall, I,
4: I would, I would love to do that and not see the, those creatures. They give me the creeps, but it'd be <laughs> good to see it in
5: real life, just the guys with the giant wrenches running mm-hmm. down the stairs. That's, <laughs> and the
3: funny thing is that was actually one of the, the, my earliest memories of watching original Trek is specifically that episode, because I remember being like six or seven And watching that episode, you know, just kind of like, you know, it was on syndication, it was on the background, you know, because my parents, you know, my dad had been, uh, you know, a fan growing up. And I remember like having a conversation with my mom, like having that realization, like, yeah, Spock can't stay blind because I was aware of the movies. Like, I think Hmm. the second movie had been out by then and I was aware of it. And mm-hmm. so, like, I was putting, I was, you know, that kid, like, where you're, you're, like, figuring things out. And I was like, mm-hmm. he can't stay blind. He can't because he's mm-hmm. going to be in, mo- you know, the movies later. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
5: Yep. But see, there you well,
0: go. Yeah. All right. Well, then, I think um, I'm going to say, and with that, folks, we have bothered Larry enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no bother. Have we? There's no <laughs> yes. bother. sure? I don't know. It's no think we We
0: have. It has been a true pleasure to interview this keeper of the faith, or is that faith of the heart? Oh, he's anyway. singing again, folks. Sorry, you got to yeah. sing. That's a good uh, theme song. It was though. a long road. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Larry does so much to keep the flame glowing of Star Trek, and we are forever ga- grateful for his efforts. And I'm going to repeat what he said earlier. Please follow and subscribe to Larry's YouTube page. Trekland Tuesdays, new broadcasts and old broadcasts are available for your enjoyment.
5: Yes. Oh, and my open houses—we open Portal Forty Seven up to the world. I've got a mystery guest that's we're about to announce any day mm-hmm. now. But here in the next two or three weeks, we'll have our open house. So everybody, check Very in good. on my site and all my socials and uh, Twitter and YouTube and and oh, subscribe my YouTube. I got into the YouTube game late, so everybody yeah. go subscribe on YouTube. But you we're going to be announcing that here yeah. in just the next few times. So that'll be something everybody can jump in on too. a lot of fun.
0: And please don't do any more promotion. Thank you. <laughs>
2: no so, <any> more.
0: Uh, <laughs> so we close out another interesting interview and recording of the big sci-fi podcast. We do this for you, our fans and followers. We hope you enjoy listening to these recordings as much as we enjoy recording them ourselves. We hope to have more interviews with prominent people in the sci-fi universe, or we'll just go back to talking about sci-fi, which, believe it or not, is in our name. <laughs> Please follow us on Facebook. Please post your thoughts or funny sci-fi-related stuff on our page, for it's there for you to enjoy and share. Please do that. Please write to us with your comments at our email address, bigsci-fi-podcasts at gmail.com. And as always, I leave you with this parting thought. Look to the skies. Live long and prosper, my friends. Please do.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Next week, we are talking about the hit Disney Plus show, Star Wars Andor. Love it or hate it, we're talking about it. Next week on The The Big Sci-Fi Podcast.